everyone. This is Amanda Borchel Dan. And I'm Jessica Steinberg, your host for Times Will Tell, a weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. Welcome to this week's Times Will Tell, where we speak to all kinds of people. And this week, we're speaking to Sha'anan Street. It is a real privilege to have you here on Times Will Tell. Just a few words of intro. Sha'anan Street is the founder of Hadag Nachash, the hip-hop funk band founded 25 years ago, actually celebrating their silver anniversary this year, and still going very strong. Shanan is the son of American parents, which is always of interest to us at the Times of Israel, being that we are an English-speaking website, raised in the Jerusalem neighborhood of French Hill, and found his way toward his mix of funk and hip-hop with more than a little bit of a streak of protestation, poking fingers at all the ales of Israeli society. He has also owned a bar in hosts a podcast of his own, recently wrote a book called A Moment of Eternity, and released a solo album, one of his most recent solo album, in which he also raps and sings in Arabic. Shanan. Hello. Hi. Excellent introduction. Ah, thank you. So we're in fact, just to let everyone know where I'm sitting, where we're sitting, we're sitting together in Shanan's office in the old Shari Tzedek Hospital building, which is It's a very cool office, and it's a very cool space. Tell us how long you've been uh, working out of here. I call it a studio, not an office. I I have to make my mind shift from office to studio sometimes, but I try to think of it as a studio, a creative space. And I've been here for the past year or so, since last January, I think. Uh, I was actually the first tenant in this building, so this whole enormous building was only me in it for like a month. Creepy. Uh, But but enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) Mel Betuli. I don't know if you say I was going to say, how do you say Bitu? <laughs> how are you going to say Bituli in English? It has a connotation in every language, but in English a bit more, maybe. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. let's keep it in Hebrew. He was, it's okay. No, you were the you were the virgin tenant. In a way, yes, I was, uh, yes. Okay, that works, that Exploring works. the building's virginity after being uh, abandoned for a while. Right, right. And what have you been working on in your studio? So I meet a lot of people here. A lot of them want to write songs. Most of them want to write songs. They need uh, input about the songs they're writing. Uh, I help people with their lyrics. Uh, a lot of these songs in the past year that I worked on have already been released. Some of them did okay. Some of them did less well, but they were all fun to work on. And I work on my own stuff, my own songs, uh, all kinds of different stuff that needs uh, attention. Okay. Why don't we start with one of the topics that I mentioned in the beginning, one of the subjects, which is Hadag Nachash and the 25th anniversary. You just had a big show, and there was uh, a great little... I was going to say Keta, a great little piece on Guy Penis, which is a celebrity news show in Israel. And he talked to all of you and spoke about what it's like to work together after 25 years. It's like that Fiddler on the Roof uh, piece, right? And 
he mentioned, or you guys mentioned that you do a little therapy together in order to make it work as a, as a team. But before we get in, you can talk about the therapy, but what is it like to mark 25 years? It's uh, kind of weird, actually. I ask myself, where did 25 years go? It doesn't feel like 25 years, although it does feel like a substantial amount of time. Right. But if, if we're talking about feeling, I would say it feels like about eight years. In other words, I know these guys for a while. We've been doing this for a while. But quarter century is a bit much <laughs> in terms of how I feel about it. But of course, and the energy at the concert was, it was amazing. Yeah. It was an amazing crowd also. Young, old, mixed, middle-aged. We're in the middle of this uh, corona thingy. Yeah. And uh, there were 2,100 people there in the... Hangar 11 in Tel Aviv, which is sold out for Hangar 11. Sold out. And it's usually the sold out is 2,500, but be, due to corona regulations of that month, Aha. it was 2,100, which Got is it. fine also because it's plenty of people in, a, in, in one space. But uh, my point is that it was mostly young people mm-hmm. because that's who goes out. Yeah. During a pandemic. (laughs) That's true. People that are like our age and even in their 40s, uh, I'm in my 50s, but the rest of the band are in their 40s. But people in their 30s and 40s, they're more hesitant. Yeah. Especially if they're parents and they they can't bear the thought of staying at home (laughs) with the children for a week. Yeah, yeah. But people that are like 18 to 25, they don't have those kind of worries. And and more than 90% of the crowd uh, was of that age. In other words, they weren't even born. Right. When we uh, started being a band. Well, your oldest is 18, right? He is. He's 18. He, he was there. My, my whole family was there. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, one would expect your whole family to be yeah, there. No, no. Good, good. They did good. They did good. <laughs> Tell us, a li- go back in history just a little bit, just to give those listeners who are less familiar about how you guys, how the six of you came together, how you found each other. Um, well, originally I wrote a song called Shalom Salam Peace. I was, uh, after the army, I traveled uh, the Far East and then Australia and then the US. And in the US, I started hearing a lot of hip hop. There was no hip hip hop in Israel at that time. One day when I, uh, after I returned, I took a bus to Tel Aviv, the 480 bus from Jerusalem to uh, North Tel Aviv, Akevet Safon. And after about 15 minutes, everybody was asleep on the bus. And all that was left was the driver, me and the sound of the motor. And somehow that was enough for me to write down my first ever rap song, or at least the first one that uh, I ever felt was good enough. Ah, so it wasn't actually your first. Well, when I was in the States, uh, in the Bay Area, I, I, I did fiddle around with writing hip-hop songs, but uh, it was more like phrases here, phrases there. It wasn't an entire song beginning to end. So on that bus, I wrote uh, my first rap song, and when I got back to Jerusalem, I approached a friend of mine who went to high school with me in uh, Steboker in uh, Negev, and I knew he was living in Jerusalem at the time, and he played music, and we composed the song. I pressed a single in a small studio here on Agrippas. Not far from where we are right now? Not far from where we are right now. Um, I can't remember if it cost me 2,000 shekels for 600 singles or 6,000 shekels for 200 singles. Any which way, this was 1996, as we said, and it was an incredible amount of money for me but i came up with it somehow right and i handed out singles in record stores and in one of those record stores uh, david clemis was one of the salesmen and he heard the song and he said that he loved it and he has an instrumental band and they're looking for a rapper now the fact that somebody in 1996 in jerusalem would say the sentence i'm looking for a rapper was like uh, I fr- <laughs> nobody else in zero two 
area code was looking for a rapper except for him that day at that moment. So it was almost like cosmic. Pesheret, as we like to say in uh, this end of town, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. So then that was, so that was how many of you, though? So that, oh, he had the band. So it was Dudush, David, and uh, David is Dudush, mm-hmm. and the Aya, the bass player, and Moshe, the drummer, and another guy called Yaron, the saxophone player, who, is, uh, who was with us for the first album, and since then he's been the, working in Atzolel Tatsuba in Jerusalem, and he's still the... The Yellow Submarine, a, a great club at my end of town. I just saw him last week when we went to a show. Okay. And uh, the other guys, Guy and Shlomi, they joined us within two years. So this was 96. By, the, by 98, it was pretty much us. Or maybe Shlomi came a little bit later. But any which way, it's been uh, quite a few years. It's been, it's been a good run together. And still is, yeah. Still it still is. is a good run. With everyone doing their things on the side, I imagine. For sure, for sure. That's also, we realized at a certain point, that that's part of uh, what's important. That not all our creativity is suitable for Adag Nachash. And it's super important for all six of us to stand behind every song that we release. And some of that's some of our personal stuff. Uh, we can't, the six of us can't stand behind it as we should. So it should be released, but not as part of Adag Nachash. Which is how you came to your solo albums? Yep. Mm-hmm. Me and the other guys as well. Right. But for sure, yeah. I was writing stuff that was a little bit more mellow, a little bit sadder sometimes, mm-hmm. and very, very personal. And the Dag Nachash, uh, although it definitely has place for personal issues, it still wasn't suitable for Dag Nachash at that time. So how does it work for you when you're, when you're working on a song? Do you, because obviously you do a lot of the songwriting for Adag Nachash. So do you have a song in mind, have lyrics in mind, and you sort of know from the start which direction it's going in, solo or Adag Nachash? What's the process like for you? So first of all, a lot of Adag Nachash songs these days we write together. In other words, it will be if, even if I'm the guy writing the lyrics, where I'll be hanging with some of the guys or, or even all of them. Then it's clear. This is going. This this was born here, and it's intended. It's intended for this family <laughs> because it's a product. It's a child of this family, in from the moment of inception. <laughs> and uh, but there are cases where I'll start something, and uh, either I'll bring it to the band and see if they if, if they like it, if they're down with it, and if they are, we'll continue to explore the option of doing it together. Or I'll know from the get-go that it uh, it's not relevant for Adag Nachash. It's relevant for me. And then I'll take it in that direction. So talk to us about this about this latest album of yours. Okay, so it's called Idealim. It was released also last January. Right, you've been busy. Uh, yeah. Uh, last January, as in 13 months ago, not one right. month ago. <laughs> right, I'm saying, but when did you start working on it? And I am thinking in terms of pandemic, corona, etc. When did you start working on this one? Right, so last year we were, what, a year into the pandemic? So I started working on it, I would say, a year before the pandemic. Ah, okay. Yeah. But uh, slowly, slowly. Yeah. There's 11 songs on it, and there's 10 different producers. In other words, every song was produced by a different person, except for Dudu Tassa, who produced a couple because he works really fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you work. It's an amazing ensemble of people that you worked with for this. 
yeah so what i did was uh go somewhere for a night you know yeah of course we had pre-production i i sent them the the lyrics and then we worked a little bit on the beat etc each song what it needed to to happen but essentially i went to kibbutz Selim and made a song there i went to Beersheba, made a song there i went to nazareth and made a song there etc etc and talk to us about the song in nazareth which is really leading your website right now. Well, it's the last thing that I released, so it's on the top of the website until I release something else. <laughs> and he's singing, Shanan is singing in Arabic, a language that he has been working on for 10 years, you said right, to me? Right, studying, studying, studying Arabic for the past... I gave it to myself as a 40th birthday present. Uh-huh. And now here we are 10 years later, and I'm still... You're enjoying, singing in Arabic. Enjoying the gift I gave myself. Okay. Yeah, so we went to Nazareth, uh, a couple of friends and I, and in order to record the song and to make a video, and uh, I, I uh, went to uh, Anan Ksim's studio. Tell us who that is. He's a hip-hop producer based in Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew him from before, from different projects on television, and just from the fact that uh, he's been around for a while, just like we are, like from the 90s right. in the hip-hop scene. And uh, I had I had the outline of the lyrics, but uh, as always, when you work with a producer, so he has in, his input. And basically, the song's uh, chorus is, uh, I've lived here all my life, uh, and I'm happy to share my words with anyone who's willing to hear just how broken up my Arabic is. That's, that's the chorus. We're going to listen to a little bit of it right now. Cool. <laughs> You sing about the fact that you've got this that you have broken Arabic and that you're, it's brave in a sense. It's really brave, I think, to to acknowledge in your lyrics that you're singing in this language that you don't feel 100% confident in. I When I listened to it and when I, when I was reading the subtitles of the song, I thought, well, that's a really brave thing to do, to say, to sing in, in this language that is, it's very potent as an Israeli to be learning Arabic and to be singing in Arabic and to be saying, I hope that you're listening to me in this language of your, in your language that I know that I am not 100% fluent in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a, a few things come to mind uh, with respect to what you said. First of all, maybe it's brave, but it's definitely fun. <laughs> it's fun to like uh, use, use new, new crayons. Uh, to make a picture and to see what happens. I also think of uh, Samuel Beckett, who wrote also in French without speaking, like without being good point. Born. an Irish guy, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, good. And that's, then, and, that's, that's, that's a good analogy. Also, uh, no, I'm not saying that I'm Samuel Beckett, but also Rachel, uh, Rachel Ameshoreret, the poet, she wrote in Hebrew before she spoke Hebrew. Her Hebrew speaking was lousy, but she wrote songs that we still sing today. So... It gives a freshness. It gives a freshness for me, but I hope also for the listener. You, you, you need to be at a certain level, I, you know, or else it'll sound like uh, nursery rhymes at best. Another example, Danny Sanderson. He wrote like smash hits in Hebrew 50 years later 
הכוורת can sell 50,000 tickets 50 years later, you know? His Hebrew, I guess, was not fully fluent at the time? It was different because he was brought up in a different language. I don't, I assume his Hebrew was better than my Arabic. I assume it was because whenever he left home, he was uh, compelled to speak Hebrew, right. which isn't my situation with Arabic. I have an hour a week, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, and and uh, sometimes a few more rides and cabs but but it's not i don't it's not sur- i'm not surrounded by it all day so but still the freshness and uh, the subconscious that he brought to writing in hebrew was partly because he was brought up in english interesting i haven't thought about it that way well i'm happy to help you think about okay, it that way thank you <laughs> of course let me just say i could be 100 wrong well it's y- just it thoughts. is what it is right yeah it's just thoughts all right Going back to Adag Nachash, what does it mean when you, in terms of material and ideas, when you guys write these days? You're known as the, the protest band, the protest hip-hop, the protest funkers. You know, what does it mean when you're writing about Israel and Israeli society and the ills of our world in, what year are we in? 2022? Pandemic. Uh, things that we never anticipated or people who read science fiction definitely anticipated it, but maybe not the rest of us. What, what does it mean at this stage of the game, at this stage of your lives, um, in terms of material? You know, when we were writing songs 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 15 years ago, we wanted to be honest about who we were and what we think is the right way to go and, you know, where the country went wrong and where society should... Uh, reassess its uh, opinions and that's still the, the deal yeah, today still the case that's still the case today but somewhere along the way I really understood wholeheartedly and not only as an uh, idea but also as a not only as ideal but also as a something that I try to live by that it needs to be fun mm-hmm. you can't keep it up. If it's uh, not fun. It's not as much fun to listen to. Not as fun. And you can't keep it up. Like you, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't like do stuff that are only depressing. Yeah. You know? So the fun part is super important. And um, right now when we look for a new song, we're, we're very aware that it needs to be fun as well. It can deal with, with uh, difficult topics. And many times it will, because that's the life in this country, but also, We have to remember that this country is incredibly fun, together with being incredibly difficult and screwed up. It's also like super fun. If people come here for a week or two, a lot of times it's the most fun place they've ever been to. It's true. So we have both sides of the equation here, and we should, we should be aware of both. That's a good point. By the way, I just realized the hat that you're wearing in honor of the Super Bowl halftime show, your Snoop Dogg. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. How many times have you, you know watched what? it? When I went to a Snoop Dogg show in uh, Los Angeles, yeah. I felt the what I just said a minute ago, how important fun is. How important, like, uh, even for the OGs of hip-hop, you know, in the world, that they had a lot to say about a lot of stuff, they're celebrating it. It's true. They were definitely celebrating on Sunday night. Oh, yeah. That was great. Did you watch it live or did you... I did not watch it live. <laughs> no. Well, some people... Do you know? I, I, I used to, you used but to. I didn't. Uh, not in a while. It was a big moment. It was a big moment having them all on stage. It was like uh, before I saw it, I I knew it would be nice, but I didn't think it would be as powerful 
as as it was after I saw it, I was like, wow, very intensive, very intensive, and like very moving for for us. Like when we started listening to Snoop Dogg, it was like uh, we felt that uh, we're the only ones who know. <laughs> You know, definitely in Israel, definitely right. in Jerusalem. We're the only ones who know. And even in America, only like some people knew. More than here, but not everybody knew. Right. It's and true. now suddenly, like this whole hip hop thing was realized like as an as an art form. The piano, the white piano and the whole console that uh, Dre in the beginning. The console was unbelievable. 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 And the respect that the, the whole genre got... It was incredible. It really, it was. I wrote something recently. Dr. Dre and Mary Black, they, they were at a Shabbat dinner. They were all singing Shalom Aleichem together on Friday night. It was, it was pretty intense to see them at the same, you know, to sit at the same table. Have you heard Nina Simone sing Eret Zavat Chalavudvash? Yes. I, okay. So these kind of connections, I guess they always existed in a right, weird way. Right, right. You don't, right. You don't necessarily pay attention to it until, until you do. And then you say, oh, okay. There's something to this. You just mentioned Jerusalem, which is something I wanted to ask you about, because here we are sitting in your studio in Jerusalem, and you live on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Correct. And you've stuck around this city, which is a wonderful place and a very complex, intense place. Mm-hmm. And I know it's something you've answered before, but I'm going to ask you again is, why? Why, <laughs> why the hell? <laughs> I mean, why? why have you stuck it out in Jerusalem when I'm sure... Does everyone else live in Tel Aviv? Everyone else in Tel Yeah, Nechash? yeah, like Tel Aviv area. Yeah. Tel Aviv area. Okay. It's kind of like Adag uh, Nachash 25 years and Jerusalem 25 years. I don't know how it, it happened fast for me. Uh, I didn't feel the urge to, to leave. I still don't know where I'm going to live in five or ten years. Do any of us. Exactly. But for the most part, it's been uh, an interesting place to, to uh, pass my life. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, even if we think about uh, the Arabic studying. Right. Would you have done that in Tel Aviv, right? You might have. The number of uh, Arabic students in Israel now is incredible. And it wasn't like this 10 years ago when I started. And now uh, the teachers, they can't meet the demand in, in in every city, basically. Like, I don't know about, like, all, but definitely in Tel Aviv and Haifa. Right. Um, people studying Arabic left and right. But when you study in Jerusalem, you... Uh, take your car and you cross an uh, unseen line into another world and you park your car in the other world where do you where, where give us everybody a bit. is now speaking arabic, arabic where you are now a minority right and if you want to go and buy a begale and which i do <laughs> <laughs> and i do it in arabic everybody knows that this here is now the jew coming to speak in arabic wow so it's and jerusalem offers that because if i was interested in uh, studying uh, gemara yeah i could have the same exact right right you, could. you know i could drive uh, four centuries uh, <laughs> Back. backwards and park in in 1600s in poland yeah and uh, study gemara as they did or pretty much as the way they did pretty in, much in the 1600s allegedly i don't know enough to, to be sure about it but let's say there are similarities many of them so jerusalem offers that and not only like uh, <clears throat> in a block or a neighborhood mm-hmm. it offers that it, it reminds you every day that uh, numerous people 
lead a very, very, very different everyday life. Than you do. Than you do. Yeah. And uh, you can uh, dip your toe in that for as deep as you want. So the old, the new, the religious, the secular, the different religions, the different languages, the different uh, cultures, uh, it looks very nice on a postcard. It's uh, sometimes very difficult to live through, but it's always interesting. It's true. Do people drive you crazy about living in Jerusalem? Uh, they're used to... You to know, that, that to, the usual... Con- oh, my God, you live in Jerusalem. Well, they know. Uh, the they highway. know. They yeah, know that obviously. I do already. Right. They know I'm famous for it. Right. I sometimes think the opposite. When I leave, if I leave, how am I going to explain you, that? Right, exactly. <laughs> what are you going to be known for? Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what have you to, done? I need to keep a room here just to say, no, no, I also I, have I, a room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Talk to us about a couple of other projects that you've been working on. You're... Your book just came out, which is kind of exciting that you very exciting that very you exciting. did write during. You just told me this. You wrote during the pandemic, right? I wrote like you, uh, guys. You got to listen to how he did this. Tell us how you wrote this book, which started out as a screenplay. Yeah, I didn't know if it was a book or a screenplay, and I was working on it for like uh, five or six years, uh, interviewing skaters. It's about skateboarders right. in Jerusalem and budding graffiti artists, right? skateboarders some of them also do graffiti right wait the book by the way everyone is a moment of eternity right. in english it still doesn't exist in uh, english sadly maybe one day but you can get it audiobook in hebrew or hard copy wherever you, you want to and it has original drawings as well it has original drawings by the brothers of light which are two great artists who by the way are also skateboarders and uh, one of them elna he's a character in the book, of right. course, not everything is true, but uh, a bunch of it is from stories. So, that I, give us I heard a little bit of a sense of how you came to this storyline. So, what happened was uh, when I was around forty, which is also when I was starting to study Arabic. Hmm, maybe forty was an important age for me. <laughs> <laughs> I started noticing that a bunch of my friends are ex skaters, which which I am not. Mm. I was never an active skateboarder, and I never got it. But suddenly there was like a period of time where I would meet somebody and I'd uh, we'd click and then it turned out that he's a he used to be a skater and I'm like what the hell's going on? <laughs> so I started interviewing them. I interviewed them. I got their stories. I tried to understand why these people were uh, uh, why skateboarding was why this skateboarding. Thing for them? I was looking for a nice word in English and I couldn't find it. Why these people were? It's not drifted. Were nimshechule. We're pulled to it. Yeah, but not pulled. There's another word, isn't there? <laughs> not attracted. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> After a while, I understood, I think, Which wh- is? what the deal is. It's that they don't care. They know that it's right. So they're going to do it. And they don't mind uh, falling and getting up Which because they know that it's right. part of it when you watch it. And I, I felt that's the, the, those elements in my soul as well. Hmm. Like, uh, if, even if we consider something like hip-hop in Hebrew. People were like, okay, very nice, write a song. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what is this? Uh, but it has no melody. But we knew that it's right. I knew that it's right. And I kept doing it, even if uh, I got rejected. Or if you consider Pestival Beshekel that I did for, I guess, more than a decade, you know, taking festivals to underprivileged parts of the country and charging one shekel entrance. It's such a pain in the ass. And nobody did it before. And why are you going to do it? The only reason is because you know that it's right. That's the only, only reason. It was great. It was great. It was great. It was great. It was fun. Fun's important, I told you. And uh, it's the same with skateboarders. 
they live that way by that code and even if they break a bone a knee a knee whatever they break they'll be back uh, once it heals and try to jump the same staircase you know so in a way I understand these people jumping staircases and graffiti there always seems to be a natural connection between skateboarders and graffiti artists but I imagine there's lots of graffiti artists who are not skateboarders oh for sure and vice versa for sure and there's also a natural connection between uh, graffiti and hip-hop and uh, sometimes I feel that uh, graffiti to painting is a uh, rap to 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 music or hip-hop writing to songwriting it's like uh, less uh, In Hebrew we say you need ne- less of a less of a necktie you uh, know? Yeah, it's like you it. take off the tie and you can uh, you were a painter but now you're a graffiti artist and let's see so hip-hop has that same element and uh, when I interviewed skaters for the book uh, one of the guys was Elna uh, I, I don't want to which is the name right that you use and he's also a member of Brothers of Light there's two brothers who painters right. and his name I didn't I used his first name not his family right, name right right But yeah, he's Elna, and he told me some great stories, and some of them like I, I needed, so I kept, I kept his uh, character. You used him. Character, yeah. Okay. It doesn't sound nice to say that I used him, but... No, uh, you were inspired. <laughs> it was, it's inspired by his stories. That, yeah. yeah. Now, the book, would you say it's adult, young adult fiction? How would you describe the genre? I, I write, uh, like with songs, I want to... Con- to convince myself first and foremost and I'm 50 but I'm getting feedback from uh, young adults and uh, the, the most moving thing for me is that I'm getting feedback from skaters skaters I've heard sentences like I haven't read a book in 15 years and this is a great book this is from skaters I was a little bit worried that uh, I wouldn't convince the skater the because skaters because Because I'm not, a, not skater. a skater. I, yeah. I tried to learn their life. But, but lots <laughs> of writers write about things that they... Right. Hello. And so those are the guys that I wanted to convince, and I convinced them. And not only that, the book is on sale in skateboard stores, which is like totally incredible. I saw it in the skateboard <laughs> shop yeah, yesterday. It's totally incredible. That's like, pretty exciting. It's the only book they're selling, of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> skateboarders are not... They're, they're not always readers, but I imagine plenty of them are. Well, enough, apparently. Okay. And even if they're not, they're super interested in it. And like I said... There's also an audio book, which is totally legit, in right. my opinion. Yeah, yeah. In this day and age. I mean, audio. Look what we're doing right now. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Right. And are you working already on your next idea? Because you are kind of an ideas person. I can't say that I'm working, working. You're on, thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. You're I'm turning thinking ideas of, over. I'm thinking of new projects in general. And uh, also, yeah, like what's worthy of a book. Interesting. Also thinking like... Uh, Even in terms of uh, what type, do I need another five years of uh, pre-production uh, and interviewing people in order to get to a story, or should I just like start? Yeah, aren't you allowed to just see what happens? Let it come out of your head, just like just like music does. I think it's different kind of books. I think it's different kind of books. If I was to write a book about skateboarders without without all of the work, so they wouldn't have been convinced. The reason that they're convinced is because I managed to I did enough prep work to 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 portray a convincing uh, picture of the world the way they see it right so if you're going to write a book without research, it has to be something different you know so that's what I'm saying like yeah yeah thinking about all that stuff who knows something will happen 
I have this studio to work in. Absolutely. So something will happen. This is not where your podcast no. is recorded, correct? Correct. We record uh, either at uh, Brian's house. I have a podcast with Elan Dekel and Brian Steiner. Who it's called is Dream an American, a Dream. And you hear his American accent all the way through. Uh, well, he's been here more than 20 years, but I know, still I know. American. How, does the, how, did it, how did the podcast come about, by the way? So actually, Brian and Dekel had a radio show on Channel 106 for a few years, and I was a, a corner. Corner, you were corner. No, no, no. What are you saying? Uh, I, 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 you were. A, uh, that's interesting. Uh, so they had a radio show with, about music, but they'd call me every month or so. You were a piece of it. Yeah, I was like a, a, a guest once in a while, right? And solving dreams for people, right? Which is what the topic is. Right. The podcast is Dream a Dream podcast. And what happens is we have a guest every time from Israeli either music scene or art scene usually. Sometimes cooks, but you know, people. People. And uh, they give us a couple of dreams and we take a few dreams from the audience and we talk about their dreams, hopefully solve them. But we don't take any responsibility because we could be totally wrong. But the feedback is good. People like... Uh, I, I think you guys have something in terms of your dream interpretation. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun to do. It's fun to do. Again, once again, no necktie. No necktie. <laughs> no necktie. Right, right. I would just say that, by the way, that Shanan is, he kind of has a, well, a rapper, skateboarder look, really. Uh-huh. You know, he's got his, he's got his skateboarder sneakers, <laughs> yellow laces, you know, right. the necklace, the Snoop Dogg hat, all in black. All in black. Yes. Looking, looking the part. Yeah, what I meant is that we're not trying to pretend to be psychiatrists or something like that. It's uh, Joseph. You're yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, the biblical Joseph, right? Interpreting the dreams. I don't know if Joseph. Uh, Joseph was a bit self-centered, wasn't he? Well, it depends how you look at it. If you watch, you know, the Broadway show, which is great, which is great. I have the record right here. I can even show it. Yes. To you. By the way, I didn't mention the the shelves of albums here. It's, right, right. It's exciting to look at. Well, I come here, I listen to music, you know. Right. Turntable, obviously, right obviously. over here next to the obviously. next to the albums. We're gonna let you get back to work. Okay. Should we do that? Sure. Okay. Um, Shannon Street, it has been a real pleasure to have this time to chat with you. All mine. Go work on all kinds of things. We want to see what you come up with. We want to hear more Arabic and thank solo you, thank albums. You. This was fun. I'm happy you invited me. And uh, until next time. Until next time. <laughs> بفكر أحسن هيك وأكتر مفيد أكيد في حزن وكتير نعرف شو رح يصير أكيد وقتك قصير وإحنا خفاف زي عالصفير فطير من هاي الأفكار لما كان بدون حدود لما كان بدون جنود لما كان في خيال الأمل لسه عايش لسه بتتنفس الأمل ما مات حتى لو بنحبس عيش هون طول حياتي وابد كاسم كلماتي ما حتقول اللي بدهم يسمعوا مهما مكسور عربياتي وانا عيش هون طول حياتي وابد كاسم كلماتي ما حتقول اللي بدهم يسمعوا مهما مكسور عربياتي 
Thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel. And thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein. Please subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week. Shalom. Shalom.